Hello, and welcome to the Empowerography Podcast. This is a platform created for women's voices to be heard and a place to share their stories, journeys, and successes with the world for the purpose of helping other women who might be on similar journeys. We are empowering women one episode at a time. I'm your host, Brad Walsh, so kick back, grab one of your favorite beverages, and enjoy the stories. The world needs to hear your message and your story, so don't deny the world of that gift within you that the universe has given you. Someone out there needs to hear your story because it will support them in feeling hope, inspired, and even transformed. Do you want to discover how I help get my clients out of their own way, show up, and confidently share their message? I would love to extend an invitation to you to join me in my free masterclass, Start Your Own Podcast from Idea to Implementation, on Wednesday, April 5th at 1 p.m. Eastern. You can find the registry link in the show notes. Hope to see you there. Hello, Brad Walsh here, your host of the Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest is Jennifer DePascal. She is a self-realization expert, an international speaker, and a coach. Welcome, Jennifer. Thank you so much for taking the time to be here. I know that you and I have been trying to, as we were talking off air, knock this one out of the park for a while. So I'm really grateful and happy to finally be here with you today and share a bit about your story and your journey and all the bright, beautiful light you are shining out into the world. Great. Thank you so much for having me. And how are you doing today? I am doing well. Thank you. Excellent. So let's jump right in. As I mentioned, you are all of those things. How long have you been a self-realization expert and coach for? You know, that's an interesting question. I mean, officially, it's probably been four or five years, but this is something that I've been doing my whole life. I mean, I think that the journey of life is about discovering who you are. And when I look back on my past, I wouldn't have been able to call myself that, but it was all leading up to where I am now. And so what exactly is and what does a self-realization expert do? That's the million dollar question. It's the million dollar question. <laughs> I, I was looking at that. I'm like, what, what is a self-realization yeah. expert? You know, I think one of the hardest things is to put into words what the spiritual journey is. But I, in the best way that I could describe it is I believe that the purpose of life is to uncover your truth, is to figure out who you are on the deepest spiritual soul level. You know, we have a lot of different conditioning, things that come from our families and our cultures and our religions and all sorts of things that aren't necessarily true for us, but we think that they're true for us and we Mm -hmm. hold our intellect wants to hold on to them. And what I do in my work is I really help people through that heal their past and get into alignment with who they are on that soul level. I love it. Beautiful. Well, thank you for uncovering the million dollar answer. (laughs) (laughs) So how did this journey for you becoming a self-realization expert begin? Hmm. So I think it begins for all of us when we incarnate in this lifetime. But I think that my first awakening, if you will, happened. I tell a story. I recently gave a talk at Oxford University. And I tell a story about how when I was pregnant with my fourth child, how the nurses, well, actually go back to the first child, you know, the nurses ask you on a scale of one to 10, how bad is the pain? And I just remember being like, what do you mean? Like, I don't know. I have no idea how bad yeah. you know this is going to get. How could I possibly know the answer to that? And then, you know, fast forward to baby number four, and they ask that question again. And this time I was at a different hospital and I said, I don't know, maybe I'm at a three. And she looked at me and she pulled out this little chart. She said, girlfriend, you're like nine, you know? And she had this little pain chart with smiley faces and, you know, a number associated with it. 
And, you know, I was obviously in labor, so I wasn't necessarily in this deep place of contemplation of what that meant. But after that moment, you know, I really started becoming aware of how much pain I had been in my life over certain things and aspects and how much trauma I had been holding on to. And I was not really recognizing how deep it was. And now that I do this for a living, that's where most people are. You know, they try to play it down or they try to talk it or I should be over this or whatever. And so from that point on, that's when I really started diving deep into my own journey and, you know, finding my way. I didn't know what I was doing. You know, I just knew that I was in pain and I needed out of it. And I think that the more you can connect to what exactly is it you're trying to get to, that that makes you get through the pain and through the trauma much faster. That is so powerful and transformational. Incredible, that realization. Yeah. Wow. And so why have you decided to focus part of your business on helping people in particular with self-realization? Why is this so important to you? You know, I think, you know, when you really start, we all need to go on our own journeys first. And then you really start listening to that call from within. And I've always found myself as a teacher. You know, I I never was, that's not even true. I mean, there was maybe a small point in my childhood where I wanted to be a teacher, but the conventional teaching, you know, in a classroom setting never really called to me. And because that's not what I'm meant to teach, but I always find myself, if I'm reading a book or taking a course or even working through something in my own life, it's almost like there's this little voice inside my head that's teaching it to someone in the side, you know? And it's, again, it goes to like, that's my normal. I didn't know that wasn't normal. I didn't know that that didn't happen to everybody. But I bet you if you talk to anybody that considered themselves a teacher, they would have that same, you know, know, voice saying, here's how I would take what I'm going through right now. And here's how I would explain it to somebody. Yeah. I want to share this. I need to share this. Right. And And so I just started listening. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. I didn't mean to cut you off there. No, 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 no. Yeah, that was it. Just really listening to what I was called to do and that, you know, ultimately many of our journeys, especially people in the coaching and therapy world, it's about, you know, as you saw, as you heal your journeys and you you discover new techniques or you create your own or whatever ends up being, you just feel really called to share it with other people. And it's a beautiful thing when you can share that with other people and to see them benefit from what you have gone through and what you have learned through your process so that they don't have to go through it or they don't have to go as deep into it. It's really, it's an incredible feeling. And I believe that that's part of what we're all here for, truly, Absolutely. is mm-hmm. to to teach what we learn through our experiences so that others don't have to endure those, but also I think part of it is for us to, by doing that, we are intrinsically doing what we are supposed to do or doing what's part of our journey is to be here to support, lift, and cheerlead each other. Yeah, absolutely. It's like Plato's allegory of the cave, I think it is. You know, we all are living in this cave of, you know, we're seeing the shadows of not what's not really happening. And our job is to get ourselves out of the cave. But as yeah. soon as we get out of the cave, we realize, hey, we got to go help all the people in the cave. Yes. We got to help them get out of the cave too. That's right. Now, I've spoken to a lot of coaches and most, if not all, have been, of course, through their own personal struggles and journeys before making the leap into coaching. I mean, we all have been through and gone through and dealt with personal struggles in our in our journey it's just part of our journey in this thing called life now but for a lot of the coaches though that I've talked to it was the catalyst for them jumping into the coaching world can you share a little bit about your own personal struggles and journey before you made the leap into the coaching world 
Yeah. You know, I think some people do coach on like, here's the one thing that I really overcame. You know, I overcame addictions or whatever. And, you know, for me, it's all of it. It's about how I was living. It's about how I was being. It's how I was making decisions. You know, I went to college for a major that somebody else essentially picked for me. I had no passion for it. And I suffered for a really long time. I, I tried everything to... But I was afraid to leave. I don't know if I even consciously would have said that at the time in college, but I felt like I had to endure it. I had to, you know, I could get the civil engineering degree, but the real question would have been, should I have gotten it, right? Like right. It's, it's not about the, the goal or the, you know, the achievement of it. And, you know, I look back at where I was then and, and where I am now, and, and I looked outside of me for my answers often. You know, I was often confused. I often felt like even going back to those birth stories and my first child, I mean, I had the doctor telling me one thing and then I'd get to the nurse and then she'd tell me another. And, and everybody was like juggling back and forth. And I was like, I'm just trying to have a baby here. Like, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I don't know. And you guys are all, you're not even on the same page. And, yeah. and you know, that was, it was actually very traumatic birth experience. And, you know, if I was the person I was now, I would have really listened inside and spoken up for myself more. And it, it did end up c to coming out, but it's really about, you know, really connecting back again to your soul, to your inner knowing that we all have this really powerful divine force within us. And we just have so much thinking and trauma and bad beliefs that's keeping us from being connected to that. Yeah, we need to learn to listen to that inner knowing, that intuition, and be guided by that yes. instead of all the external noise. I mean, we have all the societal conditioning, as you mentioned, parental conditioning, religious conditioning, all of these things. You know, it's hard sometimes to tune out all that noise. Yeah. But we have to learn to do it for our own sanity, for our own sake, for our own happiness. Right. And I think that a big part of learning to listen to that is healing our stuff, right? Because right. if we still have these outdated beliefs that we're not worthy or we're not good enough or we're not smart enough or that maybe that doesn't exist in us or we don't have any gifts or any of those things that you're never going to be able to just say to someone, hey, listen to your intuition. Well, what the hell does that mean, right? Yeah. Because we have, you know, the way I like to describe it is, you know, nobody really teaches us how to discern our thinking, right? Not all right. thinking is created equal. And and right. I and I say when, you know, when we first start this journey, when we first start really waking up, it's like we're at a concert, right? And your intuition is just one of the people in the, you know, in the audience and everybody else is screaming and your intuition, it whispers, right? It's just yeah. this tiny little guiding force. And so what we have to do is we have to learn to filter out a lot of that other noise so that we really can connect back to that whisper. I love that concert analogy. That is brilliant. <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. How have these experiences helped shape the Jennifer you are today, both personally and professionally, do you think? So when we make those decisions, we have to learn wisdom from them, right? We still right. can come away a better person. We don't have to look back on them and say, oh my gosh, that was such a terrible decision. I regret making that. It's the worst decision of my life. Like that kind of thinking sort of keeps us stuck, but I can look back on it and look at how much I learned about myself, what even learning, you know, a technique like engineering, you know, did for me. Cause ultimately what I believe I do is it's finding the balance of the intellect and the soul. It's not that we're disconnecting our intellect, but you know, engineering is a very intellectual field and it helped me think very critically. And there was a lot of benefits from that. And so anytime I make what most people might call a mistake, I'm still looking at it and learning. There's always growth to be had. Life is more about wisdom than it is about, you know, achievements. For sure.
And so what would you say is the biggest or most valuable takeaway or lesson from your experiences? That all of life is a journey, right? That that we are on this never-ending road of growth and learning and that in order to navigate that journey in the best way possible is we have this divine guiding force within us. And that when we really connect to that, that's when magic happens, when, you know, the synchronicities of life, when you start seeing everything as beautiful, even those moments that the world is going to tell you is a terrible thing. You learn to see beauty in that and that we do have a GPS that will help us navigate that journey from a more beautiful, aligned, whole place. Love it. That is the key really is finding that silver lining in every situation, no matter how grim it may seem, there is always, always, always a silver lining there and a lesson to be learned. Yes, for sure. And it's not just intellectually knowing the silver lining. There's a difference, you know, between, Mm -hmm. you know, being able to answer on a test. Yes, there's a silver lining, but it's knowing it at that deep cellular level, you know, that actually you can like lay in bed at night and look back on your worst traumas. And ultimately, when you get to this place of healing, you can see why they happened to you and what the beauty of it can be that maybe you're going to help somebody through the same kind of traumas or or whatever, you know, you wouldn't wish it on somebody else. We're never saying that those things are appropriate, but if they've happened to us, we can't ever go back and change that they happened. All we can do is change the meaning of why they happened. That's right. I love it. Jennifer, what is it that sets you and the work you do apart from other coaches? Why would they choose to work with you as opposed to someone else? What do you bring to the table for your clients? You know, I think that, you know, I, I never try to convince anybody to work with me. I don't believe in that model. I really have a conversation with say a new client and and I listen first and then I respond with what I hear and a lot of people resonate with that you know because I speak I dig so deep I speak truth and I don't believe that and this is I, I don't even really care what other coaches are doing but I believe that soul work is what's missing from our society from our cultures from our life you know other ancient traditions you know, a couple thousand years ago, we're mastering much better than we are today. And it's our job to sort of bring that back into life. But ultimately, you know, I often in those calls with new clients, you know, I'll say something and they'll say, oh my gosh, yes. You know, and because I think truth resonates at a soul level in our heart. And that's how I want people to work with me. I don't want to have to convince you. I don't want to have to write this list of all the reasons why I want you to hear it and, and speaking with me and say, I just have a knowing. I don't need to intellectually describe it. I have this knowing that that's a person that can help me get through what I'm trying to get through. Beautifully said. I love it. What, in your opinion, is the most important quality or skill set in a coach? That they've done the work first. You know, it, it completely believe in energetics and that who we are resonates with our clients. And so, you know, you'll often see the stories in the news about, you know, a psychologist or somebody that gets arrested for doing something you know, what culturally we would say is inappropriate behavior, right? right? And so, and not that any of us are perfect, but, you know, you really want to find someone who is where you want to be at and not just physically in the outer world, but spiritually from an inner place of peace and or whatever it is that you're, whatever that characteristic that you're looking for. And so that they're really coaching from their soul and not from an ego place. They're not coaching because they think this is going to make them a lot of money or whatever it is, but it's because this comes from this really deep internal place. I love that soul coaching. And, you know, I've had a lot of conversations as of late with coaches and a lot of them don't even like using the word coach because of how tainted the industry has become and how sideways things have gone in the coaching industry where people aren't 
coaching from a soul level. They're just right. coaching because they want the money. We can make you a six-figure coach in, in eight weeks or whatever the hell their their spiel is, but it's gone such a, a horrible direction. Yeah. It's, you know, it's sad. It really is because there are people like yourself who are out there doing what you're saying, coaching from a soul level, and that's what people need. Yeah. Well, and I think that, you know, often coaching and therapy have always been seen as separate. Yeah. And, you know, therapy is about your past and coaching is about your future, but you can't disconnect your past if you don't have a direction for where you want to go. And you can't go into your future if you don't learn to disconnect your past. I don't believe they can be separated. Right. And, you know, you may be able to coach somebody to get an achievement, but if they're not still feeling fulfilled or whole in that achievement, is that really success? Yeah. Yeah. What would you say is your greatest strength as a coach? I see my clients' truths. I, I believe that I see, not just clients, I believe I see people at that soul level and I speak to a part of them that many would say had been denied their whole life. And you know, I, I believe that my gift is the ability to see your truth and to see where you're stuck, where, you know, where you're blocked, and that I bring insight into the situation. My, you know, my gift is my insight in being able to see that, but also to help you see a new perspective and to see a new way of looking or being in those scenarios. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. You also say that pain and suffering is a way our souls scream. I love that. That resonates so much that we aren't living our truths. As again, we go back to truths. I love the analogy and that we can't eliminate the suffering piece of it, but we can eliminate the suffering that is self-inflicted. What are a couple of ways in which you could share with our listeners on how they can start doing exactly that so that they can begin that journey into experiencing the magic and the beauty of life? Yeah. So our soul, you know, when I say the whispers, you know, it can be for some people actual words, you know, you might hear and I, and, and sometimes it is, you know, I'll hear, I'll just get this flash of an insight and when I act on that, you know, magic can happen from it, but our souls speak to us through our heart and through our emotions. And so we really need to learn to decipher through our thinking, you know, when we're in our left brain state, which is the thinking state, right? Which is where the intellect lives. We're either living in the future. So if we're in anxiety or fear, we're imagining something in the future and our consciousness is then in the future. And then also if we're in more of like a shame or angry standpoint, our consciousness is focused on something in the past that's not in the now. And that's where most of us, before we have the spiritual awakening, that's what we think is reality. We think that the thinking mind is purely reality and we are very rarely in the present moment. You know, we may have a flash of the day that your child was born. You know, when you first hold your baby, you're not worrying about work, right? You're just fully present with your child or, you know, maybe on your wedding day or, you know, you think about the, the happiest times in your life. And I would venture a guess that they're always something that brought you out of the thinking mind and into the present moment. When we're in the right brain state of mind, we're just here. We're just present. We're not thinking. We're not adding stories to things. And when we're in the right brain, that's all of our body. Our heart is pumping in the present moment right now. And our right brain connects us down to the wisdom that exists within our body that culturally has kind of been 
forgotten, right? We live in science is king and the intellect is our new God. If it's, if science doesn't prove it and, and science is proving the wisdom of the heart, like a hundred percent, you know, there's a, a quote, I don't have it in front of me, but it's from a scientific journal that says, you know, they've discovered neurons in our heart. And so we have basically, our brain has its own heart. And in this quote, it says something along the lines of, you know, it's starting to look like the heart is connected to some field outside of itself of vast information, you know? And it's like, what does that mean? Oh my gosh. You know, isn't that crazy? Isn't that exciting? You know, the intellect wants to categorize everything and and have certainty. And, you know, the heart and the wisdom in our right brain wants to be like, whoa, you know, all this is what the spiritual traditions have been, you know, teaching us, you know, the ancients have been teaching us for, you know, centuries and we, we don't totally understand it. And science is now starting to recognize that. And so in learning to live in this, we have to learn to connect down to the wisdom of our hearts and our bodies. And we have to start listening. And that when things hurt, we don't just numb it out with food or addictions or shopping or, you know, going out drinking or whatever it is, because we're so busy going that we don't really know how to sit with ourselves. And so the, the first way to really step in this is to just to learn to be still with yourself and listen. And when things hurt and they constantly hurt and, you know, if you keep showing up at your job and every day it's like you leave more deflated than you were when you went in, you know, what does that mean? I, I can't tell you what that means. That's the whole thing. It, we each have our own language, right? It, yeah. it may mean that, that we need to leave the job or it may mean that we need to set boundaries or we need to speak up for ourselves. Or, you know what I mean? Like there's so many ways in which you can interpret that in your life, but that those feelings are real and valid and they need to be addressed. For sure. That's a tough one, though, for a lot of people to sit in the still and sit with themselves. A lot of people don't like sitting with themselves. They don't enjoy their own company. And that's where it has to start. You have to learn to enjoy your own company. Yes. For sure. I mean, there's another quote in that. I don't know it off the top of my head, but it's something along the lines of like the people who can sit in stillness are either you know, like a spiritual master or insane, you know, so it's (laughs) it's kind of in the middle because most people don't like to do that. Just like you said, you believe that people can't succeed in life until they know who they are on the deepest spiritual levels in business and every aspect of their lives. Why do you believe so strongly in this principle and how do you embody and continue to embody this in your life? Because life, our culture is purely focused on the external, right? Like we Mm -hmm. go through college and we think that we have to get the job and we have to get the salary and we have to get the money or we have to get the spouse. All of those things are external to us, but we're also seeing such high rates of life dissatisfaction, of depression, of anxiety, of midlife crises, like all of these things, because we implode when we don't honor ourselves at a soul level. And, you know, having that firsthand experience of working in a job that was sucking away at my soul, you know, (laughs) but I didn't know how to get out of it. And I was afraid, you know, I was just afraid. I, I, I didn't know. And so, you know, the reason that we're here and that we all do this work is to offer people, you know, there's people out there that can help us. Had I had you know, somebody, I was doing, navigating all this by myself, you know, and I just think back if I had had somebody, how much faster I could have gotten through some of the traumas in my life that took me, you know, sometimes years to get over. And so, you know, true success, you know, even in the way we view success, people will still say, what do you want in life? Well, I want to be happy, right? Like the the constitution says it's the pursuit of happiness, right? But we're thinking that happiness comes from achieving X, Y, and Z outside of us. And true Mm -hmm. happiness comes from 
knowing who you are and honoring that person. Nobody's going to stand up for you like you are. You know, we are all here. And when we find that person and we fill our cup and we know who we are, we, we heal our traumas, then it like overflows from us. And we're just able to be these beautiful humans and we're not projecting our stuff out into, you know, it, it hurts us just as much as it hurts the people that we project onto. We may not realize it. And so that's what's really true success is, is just living a life of alignment and integrity and gratitude and spiritual and all of the things. People always say they want the emotion over the feeling over, you know, the actual thing. Yeah. I love it. You've created a system to walk alongside your clients while they rediscover the greatest truths about themselves. Can you share a little bit about that system? Yeah. So it's not set in stone. It's not a left brain process. Like some people might like it to be, but it has a rhythm, right? And I love ancient wisdom, which I think I've mentioned. And I've actually studied shamanic energy medicine. I think they describe it really beautifully in the way that they look at it. And this is kind of the way that I work with my clients. And in shamanism, you go through the medicine wheel and it starts. And so if I imagine a compass, right? And we're going to start in the South. And so that's where the journey kind of begins. And there's always an archetypal animal with each of the directions. And the South is the physical level. And the, the animal associated with that is the serpent. And what the serpent teaches us is to walk softly through life, is to heal our past, you know, is to shed our past the way that the serpent sheds its skin just in one full swoop. We don't need to take our past with us. We need to, to learn to just detach from it like the serpent sheds its skin, you know, and the serpent just walks belly to belly with the earth. And then we move to the West and the West is the mental emotional level and the animal is the jaguar. And what the jaguar teaches us is to eat our stories the way the jaguar eats the setting sun. You know, the jaguar doesn't have any predators. He is like the king of the jungle, right? And so he walks through life fearlessly and and fear only holds us back. So we learn to embrace and honor our fear, but step into it anyway. And then we move up to the north and the north is the direction of the soul. And the animal for the north is the hummingbird. And what the hummingbird teaches us is, you know, there's a a species of hummingbird, I believe that travels from South America up to Canada. You know, it's this tiny little bird that its wings like really shouldn't even be able to fly. And it just goes on this great journey of life. It doesn't have a map or, you know, ways to tell it where to go. It just trusts its inner knowing and it follows its guidance. And the hummingbird only drinks from the nectar of life. And so in our journey, we learn to do the same. And then finally, the direction of the east is the direction of the eagle. And the eagle teaches us to climb mountains that we only dare to dream of, to fly wing to wing with the great spirit. And so I know that doesn't necessarily give you exact specifics, but that's what the work would look like, you know, is we need to learn to, to deal with our past. We need to learn a new way of being, a new way of, of seeing life before we can step into, you know, the soul and spirit level. I love it. We need to learn those four things, each yeah. of them directional and have their related animal. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. There's one more little shamanic yeah, story that sure. I feel called to tell sure. you here at this yep. point too. You know, the shamans that I studied with believe that we are born with two books okay. and the first book is pre-written for us. It's what some might call fate, right? It's based mm-hmm. on the family you were born into, your gender, your nationality, what country, you know, your religion, all of your socioeconomic status, all of those things. It sort of determines who you're going to be. And the other book is blank. It's yours for the writing. And the way I like to describe this work is that, you know, we're moving you out of the pre-written book and into you get to, you know, your life is yours to create on your terms. 
Yeah, we are the authors of our own book. We are the architects of our life. We get to build whatever it is that we want or that we dream. Right. But we are the only ones who can do it. No one else can do it for us. And that's where a lot of people get stuck. We got to be our own damn superheroes. Yes. And rescue ourselves, right? Yes. What would you say is one of the most important things you've learned in your life? Jennifer, and what was your life like before learning it? And what was your life like after you learned it? I think that goes back to some of the the things that I said before, but it's really understanding what the purpose of all of this is, right? And what, what are we really trying to do here? Because it's not security and getting the job and the family. You know, those are all important parts of it, but it's knowing, it's just really, it's understanding what the spiritual journey is. And what was your life like before you learned that? I felt lost. I felt confused. I felt unfulfilled. I was disconnected from myself. I was, and because of that, I was disconnected from others. I was, yeah, I just, I mean, lost is probably the best word that I can, that I can use. So what do you think your unique skill set or superpower is that's helped you become successful? Again, it's, it's listening. It's, you know, my passion is studying, you know, these ancient truths. I studied lots of different types of scriptures and writings and techniques. And I, I really believe that they understood life better. I think they were more advanced than we were in, in certain aspects of life. And what I do in my life and then in my clients is, is I take that wisdom and bring it into this modern day world that we live in. Oh, I think they were far more advanced than, I mean, even I, I've watched shows on things that people back in those times, the things that they built, the things that they created and yeah. m- like structures of Marvel Yeah, comp- and compare that to now with what they had then right. and what we have now and what gets, it's incredible. Well, I think that, and and that's on the physical level again, yeah. but I think on the how they were showing up in the world, you know, the ancient Egyptians were a thriving force for thousands of years. And I believe it comes back to the concepts of, you know, going to, you know, the yin and yang, right? That we are a balance of the masculine and the feminine and the masculine is the intellect and the highest level of the intellect, you know, those that thinking that we're not good enough, that's not really high level intellect, you know, that's, that's a lower level that we need to transcend past. But then the feminine wisdom is the, the soul work, this, the understanding the realm of the universe around us is understanding the rules of how life actually works. And when you bring those together, you know, that's when you have thriving societies. And even in say ancient Egypt, it's because they had a male leader, say on government and a female leader in their spiritual traditions. And they, they worshiped, you know, mother, father, God, it's mm-hmm. life was about the balance of the two. It wasn't just pure masculine, which is what we live in now. Yes, there are women finding their way up, but oftentimes those women are still embodying only the masculine principle. Yeah. And so it's okay. It's great that there's a gender woman in that role, but are they bringing the feminine element of the female into that role as well. Exactly. We have gone so far wrong from where they were before us. And we need to get back to that. We need to come together as masculine and feminine, but not even, you know, not even putting those labels on it. I think we need to come back to center as human beings and that's it, period. Well, and, and, but in the human being, so when I say masculine and feminine, I don't, you know, we all have a masculine and feminine within us. Yes, Um, So so it's finding that inner balance of the two, that it's not just living in the intellect because people are living in the intellect, but then they're complaining about, well, why am I depressed? Well, depression is a feeling that's in your body. That's your wisdom. That's, you know what I'm saying? It's because you've abandoned 
the feminine side. Yeah. And so we need to, to learn to cultivate it in everybody, male or female. Yeah. Come back to center. That's, yeah. that's, what, that's what the world needs. Yeah, for because sure. Because we've been so far the other way with the patriarchy. And now even I've had conversations with a lot of people lately too, and they're saying that they're noticing that the pendulum swinging too far the other way now. We need to just come back to the center and unite yeah. together because together and united, we can accomplish so much more. As you just stated back in Egyptian times, look at how they thrived. Right. We too can achieve that if we come back to that and come back to center and come back to uniting. Yeah, for sure. I don't know if I would agree that I would say that as a society, we're too far on the the, the one side, I'll have to sit with that one and, and really see. But you know what I mean? I, I mean, we don't really have that feminine leadership. No, 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 anywhere. No. And so no. I don't, I don't know as a culture that's really happening. When I say that, I'm saying people have told me that they're seeing that women are getting into this mindset where we don't need men and we don't need the masculine, and that's what right. I mean when I say we're oh, swinging yeah, too yeah, far. Yeah. We're no, swinging no, no. too far that way. Right. Well, no, yeah. you don't. I mean, and that's the interesting thing about this whole personal development journey. Yes. You know, everybody's pushing to that, that it's about your beliefs and that you need to change your beliefs and you can be successful. Like, yes, that is correct. But we're still not fully discerning between ego and soul. Right. And, you know, we're missing that distinction. And when we're still living in the ego, it's it's not that we need anything, but we're all together. We're all one. Like I, right. I, I believe men are physical men are affected by the patriarchy in an emotional level, they're affected by the patriarchy. Just, I don't know if I want to say, I don't even know if I want to compare it to what, what women, women have obviously experienced a lot of yes. physical torture and things over the years, but, yeah. but a male who doesn't acknowledge the feminine side of his life is struggling. You know, men are taught to suppress their feelings. You yep. have to be strong. You can't, you know, that is, don't that is cry, dangerous. Don't show emotion. That is dangerous things. and yep. they're suffering and we need to honor that. We can't just shame them for what they've done. We have to in order to step into that feminine, get out of our egos, we have to see that we're all wounded and that we're all coming back to this table together and that we're all needing to be on this journey together. Because as soon as we start pointing fingers and we start blaming, we're missing it. We're in our ego. We're missing everything that every spiritual master ever taught us about love and compassion. We're missing it all. And so yeah. we all just have to, the more we heal ourselves and the pain that we, you know, yes, women have, have had a lot of trauma from the patriarchy. And so we need to heal that, but we need to then be able to come to that discussion from a place of love. That's right. And I believe that conversation is the catalyst for change. That's where everything starts is having those conversations, talking about those difficult things. And yes, we acknowledge what's happened in the past. Absolutely. We cannot just bury our heads and forget it. But I think that we need to realize that we can't live there. As you said, we can't go back and change things that have happened, but let's acknowledge them and let's move forward and do better as we move forward. That's how we start. And that starts with conversation and talking about these things. And I think, as you mentioned with the patriarchy and boys being raised and turned into men who have been conditioned to believe that they can't show emotion and stop being a girl and you can't cry. And these, we need to start that change when our boys are very, very young. We need to start that from right. a very young age, teaching them that it is okay to show emotion. It is okay to cry. It is okay to share your feelings. That's where that needs to start is from a very young age with our boys. Right. Well, I think going back to what you said about the conversation, you know, I believe I work with people with trauma and, and we're, we, forgiveness is a huge aspect of what we do. Mm -hmm. And I think as the woman, 
in this patriarchal, this conversation, right? We mm-hmm. women need to learn to, to heal what's happened to us, to come into our own, to recognize that, you know, no matter what's happening outside of us, we can still connect to that spiritual, you know, they can't take any of that away from us. Right. right? And that we do have to forgive and recognize that it is love that's the answers, but also, you know, and I, and I tell people when they have a trauma and we're talking about this and I say, forgiveness does not mean necessarily that you're just inviting that person back into your life and saying all is well, because if they want to be back in your life, then they need to show you that they've changed the behaviors that caused the trauma in the first place, right? right? And so, yes, we have to have the conversation. Yes, we have to do it. But men then need to show us, to show women, to show everybody, to show you know the world that what we have suppressed, the aspects of women that we have downplayed, the feminine, not even just women, right? The aspects of the feminine element is that we have said is, is not real. It's stupid, you know, that it, it doesn't yeah. even exist. We have to show you that we are honoring that and cherishing in that. And that's how the conversation is going to change. So it's, it comes, both sides have to grow a little bit spiritually to come to that conversation instead of still being in the, well, if it's not proven by science or, you know, science is great, but science is our current understanding of the world given our current technology. You know, just because science hasn't, it, it has proven lots of intuitive hits, but it's, and it's only going to keep proving it, you know, and just because it hasn't been discovered fully or, you know, spirit or whatever we want to call it doesn't mean that we're not going to to discover it. Right. So the intellect has its limits. And I don't know, does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I think and believe that, yes, the conversation bit and we men need to step up and do our part and show Mm -hmm. women that we are allies and that we want to come together and unite and combat these problems together. United, we are so much stronger. Divided, we fall. And that's, that's, you can't deny that. Right. And there's so much divisiveness in the fucking world right now that we need to get away from it. And you brought up love and love is what we need. There's more than enough hate in this world. We need to eradicate it. We need to embrace love and love each other and support each other and cheerlead each other and lift each other up. And again, we men need to step up and start to show women that we are allies and we support, we hear, we see. Right. That's not just about checking the box that you have women in leadership. It's about, it's about looking at the underlying reason that women aren't in leadership right now and, and addressing that. You know, that's part of it, but yes, absolutely. We need to own our shit as men. We need to own it. We all need to own our shit. I mean, that's the whole point. If everybody, you know, mother Teresa says, if, (laughs) if everybody would just sweep their own doorstep, the whole world would be clean, right? We all have to take responsibility for how we're showing up in the world. And as we do our part to become the best us, like that's when life starts to feel good. That's when life starts, you know, when you find that, you know, I I think, is it Herman Melville? Somebody, somebody, the quote that, you know, there's a tiny singular Island within all men, you know, that's, I I don't know the exact quote, but there's this Island. That's just this place of beauty and that, that life, you know, life happens, but around it is all these storms and all of this, this turmoil. And we all have that within us and that is love and that is healing our past. And that's our soul. And when we all connect to that, if we were all in that place, we wouldn't need the weapons. We wouldn't need the wars. You know, we could all recognize that I'm not different from the Europeans because we live on a different continent. We're all, or the Africa, you know, wherever you are in the world, we are all just one people like these we, we are. lines mean nothing yeah we are all the same we all bleed the same color and this was a right. huge lesson for me that i learned about probably i don't i want to say about five four or five years ago maybe a bit more i have a friend who works at the coroner's office 
here in Toronto. And they were looking for a photographer to the photographer that was working there was moving on to something else. They were looking for a photographer. I'm a photographer. This interested me. And so my friend set up an opportunity for me to job shadow, to shadow the photographer. And so I spent the day at the coroner's office and I got to witness an autopsy from start to finish. Oh my God. And the one thing that I took away from that, the most important lesson I took away from that is exactly that we are all the fucking same. It doesn't matter what color your skin is, what religion you are, where you live, what your national, none of that shit matters in the, in in the grand scheme of things. We all bleed the same color. We all are born. We all die. It's all of this other shit is just, it's ridiculous. We need to learn to fucking get past it and come together and work together and support each other because in the end, none of the other shit matters. Yeah. We're all going to end up in the same place yeah. six feet under. Yeah. I had a moment like that when I was training. I studied rapid transformational therapy with Marissa Peer and it's a form of hypnosis and you know, it's helping get, you know, pull back the onion layers to see that what you're, whatever you're struggling with in the present isn't really because of what's happening in the present. It's because of something in the past. And when I was studying it, we would work in groups of three. So one person would be the therapist, one would be the client. And in this case, I was the observer. And I remember watching this woman in front of me who was in her seventies or so, you know, the, the event that we went back to was when she was about 12 and she was in the hospital and you could kind of see that she didn't really want to tell the truth of it. But I think when you're in that deeper brainwave state, your subconscious sees freedom and it's like, no, 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 this has to come out. And this is my chance. You've been stepping down for so long. And then a little bit later in the conversation, she just sort of blurted out, my mother tried to kill me. Wow. And I just remember being like, oh my God, like to me, that was like, we all have shit. Like we yeah. all have stuff in us that we're, that we're suppressing and we're sucking down. And, you know, that really helped me. That moment for me shifted how I see people forever, that I see the behavior and I see something behind it. You know, when you see a really ego person on the TV or wherever, you know, and our politics or whatever it is, like I often, I, I, I see this, like this little soul, you know, yeah. shriveled up in the corner of their feet, like, you know, waiting for their dad to love them or whatever, you know, I don't know exactly what it is, but I see that like how damaged and bruised their soul is because that ego is a way of protecting, you know, something that's very, the the bigger the ego, the less confident we are inside. Yeah. That experience was so profound for me that day. I will never forget that day as long as I live. It was so powerful. Truly. It was incredible. Who in your life has had the biggest impact on you and why? There's been so many, so many teachers. There's been so many people, most of them I've never met. And and honestly, you know, if I look back on it, the people that may have been part of the trauma, I think are the ones that pushed me the furthest into becoming who I'm really meant to be because, you know, you can have the cheerleaders and stuff, but it's, I think the darkness can push us further than and so I, I don't know if I could name one person, but I have to say that I think that the things that I've had to work through and the people that I would say maybe in a past life have said, you know, hurt me the most because now I just see that it's all this big spiritual game, right? We're all here to wake each other up and that that's kind of the role that we chose to play. Yeah. And so if I were to look, I mean, I would say that those moments from my past and those people that may not have turned out to be the way that we would envision, you know, we would pick them if we could, that that yeah. ended up being exactly what I needed to help. Okay. If you were guaranteed the correct answer to one question, Hmm. what would you ask? 
What would I ask? (laughs) I love making my guests think. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I don't know. I feel so confident in who I am and, you know, and it would just be, you know, is there something I'm not seeing? You know, how else is there, is there a way that I can serve better or, you know, is there something else that I, that I need to see? But I feel, you know, I've gotten to this point where I just feel so connected with life and the universe and finding truth that. I don't know that there's one thing that I, that I'm left wondering. Okay. Yeah. If you could set up a billboard anywhere, where would you put it and what would it say? You know, it goes back to words again, right? And same thing in studying the ancient Egyptians. I was just reading a piece last night about hieroglyphs and how, how deep they are and how much meaning there is to them. And I think that our words lie a little flat. And so putting things into words can be a challenge when you're just trying to describe those deeper, there's deeper insights. But I think the the thing that I end up saying to my clients, you know, there's a lot of people like Marissa Peer, who I studied with is, is big on you are enough and everybody sort of has their catchphrase, but I think it's really understanding that you are divine, right? That, that mm-hmm. most of us were taught to sit down on the side of our bed and pray to a God that's up there somewhere outside of you. But yes, God is outside of you, whatever you want to call it, but you have the divinity, you have creation, whatever you want to call it, the universe, you know, the source, the web, whatever, you are just as much a part of that. And that exists within you. And I think really understanding that it totally changes our perception on life. We're not these sinners that were cast out of the garden. We are divine beings who came here to remember who we are. And where would you set that billboard up? Where would, where would you put I set it? it? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, where are billboards other than just the side of the highway? Square? I'm sure. Air, yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. What is one of your biggest failures or life lessons or teachable moments, we'll call it, and what did you learn from it? Well, I think one of the biggest failures is believing that failure exists, right? I mean, it's just like I said that everything in my life that, you know, getting that degree definitely set me down a path that took me years to get off of. Had I understand wisdom and had I had maybe a teacher to help me see the beauty in it and help me navigate better, I probably could have gotten out of it faster. But there are no failures. That's it. There's none. Failures doesn't exist. It's just opportunities for growth. Love it. What is an unexpected blessing or occurrence in your life that you're grateful for? Gosh, all of it. I mean, every moment of every day is a blessing. I mean, every, and that's not something that you understand, you know, the personal development world's all about gratitude and and writing gratitude journals. And, and I started that practice when I started this maybe 10 years ago and, but I wasn't really connecting to it. You know, I was, I was just kind of like, oh, if I write gratitude on a piece of paper, but when you really start understanding gratitude, it's, it's that every moment of every day is it's a miracle that you're here. I mean, think about the odds of you getting here over the, the billions of years that, you know, every little thing in the earth had to fall in a certain way. And, and even just, you know, the lottery of, of how many sperm there are, right? Like yeah. and that you were the one that got picked. I mean, it's just, it's a miracle, <laughs> you know, we don't connect to that a lot because we get so caught up in the, like the everyday stuff. But I mean, that's the point. You want to have a more miraculous life, start seeing all of life as miraculous. Love it. Okay, we're going to jump into a little rapid fire section now. So sure. the next grouping of questions just be one, two, three word answer type thing, okay? Yeah. Early bird or night owl? Early bird. Money or fame? I would say neither. Those both are very ego to me. What is one thing you've always wanted to do in life but haven't done yet? Hmm, I'd love to go to Egypt. If you could teach the world one thing, what would it be? The ability to navigate the inner world to really understand you know, all the things that we've been talking about. What is your favorite self-care practice? Probably contemplation. You know, the ability to really listen to your thoughts and feelings and navigate them and learn to shift them. If you could be remembered for one thing, what would it be? 
spiritual empowerment, remembering who you are. And that concludes our rapid fire section. Now back to our regularly scheduled program. (laughs) (laughs) What challenge in your life would you say has shaped you the most? You know, I think we've answered that in in a lot of the questions here, but it, you know, again, it just comes back to understanding how to be right? Like what is the purpose of all this? How am I supposed to show up? How am I supposed to navigate the inner world? What is, what is it all about? What is one lesson that your career has taught you that you think everyone should learn at some point in their lives? That it's not about what you do or how much money you make. It's about who you're becoming. Love it. If you could step into my shoes, what would you have asked yourself that I didn't ask you? Hmm. Question I didn't ask. Nothing's coming to mind for that. I think you've done a really good job asking questions. And, I, and I'm sure a lot of, you know, what I talk about. Okay. No, I can't think of anything that you didn't All touch right. on. Thank you. What's oh, something... I thought of one. No, no, no. Let's okay. go back. All right. Um, sure. You know, one other thing that I really like to talk about in bringing you back to yourself is that we all have gifts, right? And so I, th- I think you did ask what my gift was, but I think it's really important to to understand that everybody has a gift and that it may not be something that we learned in school. It might not be math or science, or, you know, it may not be one of those characteristics of what we consider a course. Right. And so our teachers may not have acknowledged it, but that, you know, the best way to find it, especially for someone like me, like my gifts are very spiritual. They're, they're very, you know, they're the inner world stuff. Right. And that's not something that we even really acknowledge in our language and our conversations. And, you know, if you look back on your life, And you really pay attention, like pay attention to those times that really lit you up. You know, when I said that I was always the teacher, you know, those moments in my life where I had the ability to teach something. I was invited to my daughter's seventh grade communications class a couple of years ago. And we ended up talking about a lot of, not necessarily as as spiritual, but, but about the thinking mind and really navigating your feelings and life. And I remember walking away from that class and I felt like I was flying. You know, that like, yeah. oh my God, that doesn't mean that I have to, you know, sit and talk to seventh graders, right? Like <laughs> it means that who I was being in that moment is, is what I was meant to do in this world. And so, you know, we need to find, you know, we need in listening. Yes. I talked, we talked about the negative, but in listening, we also need to look for moments like those. And if you've never had them, just keep staying curious, keep trying new things. You know, you might be called to read a book or do a class or whatever and have no idea why you're doing it. Right. Like, yep. You know, when I studied shamanism, I was like, well, do you want to be a shamanic practitioner? I was like, I don't know. I just really feel called. You know, I really love the way that they tie everything together and I'll see where it ends up. Like, that's okay. You know, we don't always have to have this step by step. Here's what it's going to do for me and how, here's how it's going to propel my career. Just keep staying curious. You will uncover those, those inner gifts. And we do, we all come here with those gifts and we need to find out what those, because I think that who the hell are we to deny the world of our gifts? I was just speaking about this yesterday and it's true. We are sent here with gifts and we are meant to share that gift with the world. And it's so much bigger than us. It's for everyone else. These gifts are to give and share with the world. So who the fuck are we to deny giving our gift? That's our responsibility. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, God gave you that gift and, and it's not about you. It's about the person that their whole life could change by hearing That's your right. story. Yeah, 100%. Or whatever it is, seeing your yeah. painting, whatever it, you know, whatever your gift is, how you bring it to the world, the song that you create, whatever, you know, whatever it is. But we're here to be creators, so we have to discover our gifts and then yeah. we have to find ways that our gifts will help make the world a better place. That's, That's what right. our purpose is. That's where fulfillment comes from. For sure. What's something surprising you've learned about yourself in the last year? Gosh, I mean, I'm always learning about myself. Surprising. <laughs> you know, I've been very called to, to teaching and speaking. And I went to a speaker academy in 
Tallinn, Estonia in October. Mm-hmm. And I remember as a younger kid, when I was in middle school and early high school, I went to a, an all girls school that had this amazing production. And I remember sitting in the audience and my heart was on fire and I just wanted to be on that stage. But I ultimately was too afraid to try out. And I never tried out. I never did it. And I just kind of believed that I, I don't know, I couldn't do acting or whatever. And when I went to this academy, there was one night that we had to, we had to do like a role play. So we had to kind of do an acting thing. And, and I, I did a Olivia Pope. I can't think of the TV show that it's from, but it's a, one of the like government type ones. Scandal. um, Yeah, that's it. And there was a scene where she, you know, standing up to the president and really like, you know, kind of, it's a really emotional, powerful scene. And I remember just getting up on that stage and I just, it's like, I, it's like I became Olivia, you know what I mean? Like I, I felt her coursing through my veins. Like I've never felt power come out of me like it did in that moment. And I never would have been able to say that that's how I would have accessed that power. (laughs) Phenomenal. I love that. Yeah. Scandal is a great show. Yeah. I've never seen it, but I just feel like I know that. I'm like it's totally awesome. connected with her now. Yeah, it is awesome. If you had the opportunity to sit down and have a one-hour conversation with one woman, any woman in the world, who would it be and why? If it can be someone who's not currently yeah. alive, yeah. Uh, it would be Mary Magdalene for sure. I- I've just been so called to her work and and many aspects of her life that have been suppressed. And, you know, again, the patriarchy and, and trying to suppress the feminine has actually suppressed many feminine leaders throughout the last, you know, couple thousand years. And I think the message and what, what her and Jesus were teaching together, if the world could really see the truth of what they were here to teach and how beautiful it is and how honest and empowering it is that we we would recognize that they were teaching, you know, especially when you read things like the Gnostic Gospels, that they were just teaching from their soul and from their heart and that we don't need rules. We have this inner guiding system. We have this conscious within us that we start to recognize that when, it, you know, when we go off it, it doesn't feel good. And so, you, you know, it's staying on that path. So I would just, I would love to just sit in her energy and meet her and learn anything that she could teach me that I don't, you know, that I, that I don't know now. Beautiful. If you could go back and give your younger self one piece of advice, what would that piece of advice be? So I know this is totally cliche, but I really wouldn't, I wouldn't change anything about my journey. So if I would go back to anybody's younger self, right, if I could go back to somebody else where I was at, you know, it's, it's just to trust yourself. You know, you don't have to go through all the lessons. You can learn the lessons faster. You can learn them by watching other people. You can learn them by hearing other people's story and just really learn to trust yourself that nobody's going to look out for you like you will. And that, you know, the only person you have to live with forever is you, right? And and, yeah. and that, you know, just keep doing the work and that the only way really to fail is to give up on yourself. And so just keep on the journey and keep moving forward and keep just rediscovering who you are. Love it. Yes, that relationship with self is the longest standing relationship and the most important one we will ever have in the course of our lives. Yes, for sure. Lastly, Jennifer, if you were to deliver your last 30-second speech to the world, like your corner of the world, your tribe, your people, what would that last 30 seconds sound like? What words of wisdom would you impart? Same thing that I that I just said, that you know, to never give up on yourself, that you are a unique and beautiful spiritual being that has a purpose and that there is a light inside you. And, you know, it's mostly our thoughts and our thinking and our traumas that are keeping us connected from being that truest self of who we are. But those things aren't true. And there are methods and techniques and people that can help you get through that to really connect back to that inner life. 
and that all of those things that happened that you think were about you, it was never about you. It was always about their own traumas. And those were just hurt people who were hurting other people. And that, you know, we just need to keep stepping into that light and into that soul and that the world, the more the world needs your beauty, it needs your light, it needs your gift. Beautiful. Jennifer, thank you so very much for taking and making the time to be here with me today and sharing a little bit about your story, your journey. You are an absolutely beautiful human being, woman, soul, and such an inspiration. I have thoroughly enjoyed every minute of this conversation. (laughs) So amazing and epic. Thank you for being here with me today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Once again, my name is Brad Walsh, host of your Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest has been Jennifer DePascal. She is a self-realization expert, an international speaker, and a coach. Thanks so much, Jennifer. I hope you have an amazing rest of the day. Thanks. Thank you very much for listening to this podcast. If you haven't yet, please be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and share with all your friends. You can find me at visuphoria.ca, follow me on Instagram at Empowerography Podcast, and on Facebook at Empowerography. Please join me next time for another inspirational story from yet another amazing woman.